Welcome to How to Save Your Marriage with Nicola Beer, a show full of tips and practical strategies to repair, rebuild, and strengthen your relationship. If you are currently stuck wondering if your marriage can be saved, or you know you want to save it but don't know how to go about changing it, this show is for you. And now here is your host, Nicola Beer, who specializes in a proven 10-step program to help couples increase the love, passion, and happiness in their marriage in 30 days or less, guaranteed. Hi and welcome, this is Nicola Beer and this is the Nicola Beer Show with your co-host Eddie Skerritt and we're going to be talking on today's episode about how to survive the holidays because this can be a time where relationships can make or break really for some couples and it can be a time where couples are on highly stressed, you have the in-laws, you have excess drinking and eating and partying which can take its toll on the marriage as well as financial strains and financial differences. So these are just some of the, the things we're going to be covering today on how to survive the holidays. So welcome Eddie. Hi, how's it? Excellent. So what should we talk about first? What do you feel is the most pressing challenge over this time of year? Look, I think it comes down to the stress that people go through. We all want Christmas and, uh, you know, our festive season generally to just be this amazing time. But sometimes, you know, that stress can actually almost cause the actual issues that we, we go through with our family members. And like we all know, we can't pick our family members, but I think we can pick our battles with our family members. And I think the festive season is a time when we want to be a little bit more measured with how we deal with our family you know we want to we want to have make those lifelong memories we want you know a, a christmas to remember and uh, and yeah no, I, I think it i think it comes down to individual instances and we covered a uh, you mentioned a few of them there i think we sort of need to go through them one by one uh, as far as uh, what what exactly should our strategies be for each one i mean what do you think there yeah i think that's great so let's start with when either your partner or the family get on your nerves because i think you know we do spend a lot of time with our families over this time of year and sometimes that can be great but sometimes we can get highly stressed so i think th this is a great area to start with and one of the tips that i believe in is having a, an escape plan where you can go for a walk, where you can go for a coffee, where you can go to the gym if you've got a gym nearby, or having a plan for what you can do at those times where you feel like you're going to erupt or where you, you want to shout or you want to, to argue, and just having a, a release to, to cool down or to calm down. That's definitely, um, definitely a, a sort of in-the-moment action, I, I think, and it's a good thing to plan for in that way. You can you can have that like, okay, if I'm getting stressed and I can't deal with Uncle Bernie, you know, saying the crazy stories about my childhood or whatever it is, then you want to be able to walk away and, you know, perhaps have like a timeout mechanism. That's really good. But I think as well, you know, I would look at the, the planning pre-event. So if you know that there's hot spots with very specific family members, and I know, in my experience and um, hearing stories from people who've 
had their Christmases totally ruined, often they can see them coming and it's that heightened anxiety before they actually occur, before these instances occur. And if you can look at a, look at a conflict, let's say, just for example, you've got a conflict with a specific family member and you're, you, you think, okay, this is one I don't want to cover, I don't want to drudge up that past trauma that could turn into an argument then you can, you can almost prepare yourself for that. You can almost say, you know, if, if the in-laws, if the mother-in-law um, comes into the house and, you know, starts criticizing everything in your house and it drives you crazy and you just want to, like, you just want to lose it, right? Okay, so that's something you can then prepare for. You can say, well, look, let I know it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. You can say that in your head. And if that does happen, what am I going to do? I mean, yeah, you can have a strategy like walking away. That's an awesome strategy. But you could also have a strategy of going, well, I expect that, so it shouldn't really upset me because I know that that's their insecurities. And you can put it back on them in your mind, you know? You can, uh, you can frame it and say, look, you know, she wants the best for her uh, son and she comes in and gives those criticisms to try and say, hey, let's just keep giving the best for her son. So you can, you can reframe these things so they're not as much of a knife in the back and hey if you want to if you want to have a little session uh, a therapy session after with the husband uh, and say oh, i can't believe your mum does that every time she did it again at christmas it drove me crazy and i'm so proud of myself that i didn't react to it then that that's going to make you feel so much better later you know so it's going to make you feel so much better that you took control of the actual instance and didn't fall apart in the moment does that make sense like you can plan for those things yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really good. And I also think it's really important to not respond sometimes. Sometimes the best thing we can do is, is say to ourselves in preparation, if they if they put me down for the food I'm preparing, or if they say something about my appearance, or if they say something about the way I am, then I'm not going to argue with them. I'm not going to put my point across. I'm just going to let it go. Because sometimes saying nothing is the best thing you can really do because sometimes people do want to get a reaction out of you and by not giving them that reaction that is what helps them to to stop doing that so i think yeah that that's a really that's a really good point and i definitely think as you said bringing up or, or having a, a counseling session or a, a session with your partner later to discuss it not discussing things in front of children not arguing in front of children is also really important um, all the time, not not just for the the holidays, and so just making sure that you put in time to 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 de uh, talk about the day, to to unwind, to de-stress at the end of the day together, to share what went well, to share what you were upset about, just to clear it so that you're not holding on to that resentment because holding on to resentment can actually cause a lot of damage to relationships. I mean, I work with people and when they come to me, they're, they're holding resentment for something that happened 10 Christmases ago. And they're saying, well, they didn't buy me that gift or they didn't do this for me. And it's like, well, that was 10 years ago now and you're still holding on to it. So you know, if you could have just kind of resolved it at the time, then maybe that wouldn't have, have had such an impact. And that's another area that I think would be really great for us to discuss. And that's what do you do about financial differences when it comes to holiday spending, when it comes to buying gifts? Because I think you, you know, you either had a great childhood Christmas and you really want to replicate that, 
or perhaps you you felt you know I came from quite a poor family and some of our Christmases were great and sometimes we didn't really have that much and I think coming from that I want my future children to have everything and I know that my sister does this for her children she has this need so I think financial conflict about what is appropriate to spend what do you do for gifts who do you buy gifts for can also be an area of tension I don't know if you've got any tips to of your own on, on how to manage that in relationships yeah look, look I think we, we make Christmas so commercial you know why do we have to have everything even like and, and this comes with all relationships do we necessarily want all of our relationships to actually be this and I've talked about this before it's partnerships right we both have parts of the whole so you know when we get down to the point of it being a transactional relationship it's even with family members like it's, it's no it's not really any different between you know, uh, your husband and wife or your partner sort of relationship and then your extended family as far as like, are you looking at gift giving as a transactional issue? And, you know, your family members will know, they will generally know if you are under the pump financially. And that is a, a, an area of your relationship with them where that you should be willing to give and take. I know personally I've had this in years when there's been some years when my family know, they know I'm really under the pump, I'm pushing my business or I've just invested in something or you know my partner's lost their job or whatever it is or I know that another part, uh, another person in the family has also gone through some financial hardship or they've had to fly over from overseas or whatever it is, right? Now in those circumstances you really, it comes down to being an adult and, and accepting that uh, your gift giving is not going to be those two parts. You know, you've got a relationship, and it's not based on transactions. I often uh, in our family, and I've seen this in other families as well, where you end up with this extended family as you get older, right? So you get into an age where you've all got kids, and all your siblings have kids, and this type of thing, and you get to a point where it's like, guys, getting together is what's important, and experiencing that time together as as a festive season, and making it a festive festival-like uh, event rather than this like very conformed gift giving and uh, and I feel like as you get older and, I, and I'm pretty sure everybody feels this way the gifts the gifts in themselves become way less important and it becomes a bit of a nominal thing to, to do this gift giving and it's it really is like it's more for children to be doing gift giving in that way so if you're looking at your gift giving as a transaction then I'd say that's something you probably want to change in the way that you do it. Like, if I, it's, and if this is something for all personal development, it's not just for Christmas and gift giving, like birthdays and Christmas and these types of events, but if someone gives you a gift, not only do you have to be able to uh, give them a gift knowing it couldn't come back, and that's what a real gift is. A real gift is where you give someone something and it's not to get anything back. It's not to get favor and it's not to get another gift back. And you've also, the second part, and most people forget this part, is the joy in receiving and allowing someone to give you a gift. So if you can't reciprocate a gift, feeling guilty that you're not reciprocating it in the exact same amount, it's actually, it's, it's actually something that you should, uh, you should be working on personally because in essence, that is not what gift giving is about. It sort of means you've missed the point of gift giving. And, 
And I think Christmas is that exact time. We all have that thing, oh, what should we bring, what should we bring? It's like going to a party and you've got to bring something along and you're like, oh, what's appropriate? Is it a bottle of wine? Is it a box of chocolate? Should we make something? Should we bring something? You know what, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It's a nominal thing. And the guests of that party should be looking at your whatever you bring and they should be saying, hey, that's awesome. Thank you for doing that. That's great, whatever it is, right? It, but if you're if you're hosting, then you shouldn't obviously be looking to fill your your party with uh, food or whatever it is that's brought in, or getting a payment in in respect to your hosting ability. So it, it really comes to across all gift giving that it, it, it's part of everybody's personal development. How you take receiving and how you take giving and what value you place in those things. It's it, it really is uh, it's it's a key personal development um, issue. But it definitely gets dragged into Christmas. I mean, there's no doubt that people turn up and get the lump of coal um, from others when they've just bought them movie tickets or whatever it is, you know. And we all want to provide that, that best possible experience. But we've also got to weigh up the actual value of gift giving. Some people are full-on gift givers, and it comes down to that, like, five languages of love and gift giving being one of them, but sometimes it's service. Sometimes I want to go to Christmas and I want to have uh, the, my, I know in my family, my father does the cooking, right? So for me, that's one of the best things about Christmas is I can experience that. And if he didn't buy me a gift, that would not matter to me at all. So it, gift giving is certainly a cultural sort of thing, but, um, but certainly we need to look at measuring how we feel about it. That, that's sort of how I feel about it overall. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. Thank you for sharing all of that. And, you know, that's often what I see when people come with marriage problems, where they are evaluating what someone's doing for me and what I'm doing for them, and they're comparing. And once a relationship goes down that route, that route, you know, that route where you're looking at what am I putting in, what am I getting back, what am I giving you, what am I getting back, is a recipe of disaster because we can't compare what each other are doing and it's not fair. And, you know, a relationship should be about giving without expectation. Absolutely. And to, to enjoy each other's company and to not be analysing things. And for me, I think Christmas is about watching family movies together, playing games together, enjoying enjoying the, the, festive, the festive season. So... Yeah, you, you make some, some really interesting points there. Imagine a Christmas where you don't have any gifts, right? And all it is, is a meal and family coming together and singing Christmas carols and sitting around the Christmas tree. You know, that is what Christmas is about. Aside from it even being a religious holiday, which, which really it is, but aside from the religious stuff, it's about coming together as a family and celebrating closeness and a festive season. And Really, the gift giving is is a side note. It's you know it's a little uh, it's a little thing to just uh, g up your kids on the day of, but but certainly, and it comes back to all of our topics with relationships. That transactional relationship, there's nothing like that to kill a relationship. I, I think you'd agree with that. Like making it you know two parts of the whole where it's this transaction and how much did I get out of it and how much did you get out of it and that that's going to kill any relationship, I believe. That was a really funny survey. And they asked husbands and wives, you know, who, who do you feel does most of the, the giving in the relationship, most of the work in the relationship, puts most of the effort in? And over 95% of the, 
of the individuals that entered said themselves. Yeah. And why is that? Because we know exactly what we're doing and we might miss what someone else is doing. And it's obviously always objective. So there's never, you never really can compare in a relationship. So it's pointless to, to even bother to try. So. Yeah, of course. So. Of course. And, and you know what that's about? It's about presence in your relationship. And Christmas or any other time of year, that survey that's saying that people are way more in tune with what they're actually doing, that's about your presence in the relationship. It means a lot of these couples, they are not, they're just coasting through and they're not actively thinking, well, what is my partner actually doing and watching their struggle? And that's the part of love, right? Part of love is being present and being present in the other person's life. And we find this with communication styles. It's a big problem for men. Men do not listen to women, right? Men tend to come home and just chill and they want to just relax and end and that's the end of the day. And they just don't listen to their partners. And they don't listen to or understand or be present in their partner's lives and what their partners are doing. So when you see the clean toilet or the clean floor or the kids have you know, been dressed or the clothing's been washed or the ironing's been done and you just think that that just turns up, of course it doesn't. Of course it doesn't. But sometimes not seeing the dirt and not seeing someone doing the cleaning makes people subconsciously think it just never, it never occurred in the first place. Of course that's ridiculous. So like part of this is about being present. So when, when I teach relationship mastery, it's really the, the core number one thing is always getting really present in their relationship so that not in their face, but you are, you are actually actively thinking, what are they doing? What am I doing? How is it working together? And what can I do to acknowledge their, them? Because acknowledgement, right? And affirmation is another love language. It's another important part of the mix of love, you know? And without that, then we really miss, we miss huge parts of our partner's lives. And of course, you want to be part of their entire experience, the good, the bad, the ugly stuff, because that's going to, that's going to grow your bond together. And, uh, and yeah, it's that lack of presence, presence, especially at Christmas. And in those surveys that you mentioned that just make couples become so distant. And I really find, I'm not sure if you would agree with this. I, I want to ask you this, um, Nicola, do you find that generally speaking, the two major problems, if you had to categorize them into two big bunches is one is partners become massively distant and they, they just don't have, they, they, I often hear them say, I feel dead inside or I feel dead in the relationship or I feel like it's a nothing thing anymore. And they're just not engaged at all. Or it's almost the opposite. It's a massive experience of fighting. What, what do you, do you think that that would be a true statement? Yeah, I think that couples go either way. They either have that distance where they don't speak up when they're frustrated. The resentment inside them is like anger that builds daily and just they hold on to it. And then they just either want to be completely distant, completely um, learn to build a protective wall around them. They think the relationship's not making me happy, so I'm going to get my happiness outside of the relationship. So they focus on their hobbies, their work, their children, anything away from their partner, or they allow this resentment to build and build and build, and then they just explode. And the most smallest thing can set them off. 
and that's why in my on my in the online save my marriage program that I run resentment is one of the key things that you have to let go of because it either turns to um, rage or it turns to that withdrawal that you're mentioning that shutdown where you just shut yourself down for protection you shut yourself away yeah and generally it's either either one way or the other but um, you really touched on a really important point there about presence and one of the major things that I'm seeing almost weekly when I'm helping people to save their marriages is the lack of presence due to mobile phones, due to online entertainment, online distractions. Yes. And I think this is also something that really needs to be watched at for the holiday because couples complain to me that every evening they, their, their partner is on Facebook or every evening their partner is glued to the TV or they're glued on their laptop or they're doing work emails. Whatever it is, if you're spending more time interacting with a screen than you are with your spouse during the normal working week, and that happens when you have more time together at Christmas, that's going to cause a lot of arguments. So set a plan together now. Set a plan together now for how often you are going to check your, your devices. One couple I recently worked with, they said, what we're going to do is we're going to leave our phones all on the kitchen side. Yeah. If we want to go and check them, we can check them as much as we want, but they stay there. They're not going to be with us whilst we're watching a family movie, whilst we're playing family games, whilst we're having dinner. Now, these are really important things. I remember years and years ago now, when mobile phones first came out, that my mum couldn't understand... Um, my sister being on her phone so much over Christmas and New Year, and it used to just drive my my mum now mad. And now, of course, my mum has a couple of mobile phones and always has had one. And so I think you know it's it's now we're all onto this distraction. These um, we all have mobile phones. We often have iPods. We often have tablets and, and other things. So it's about setting rules and boundaries around it to make sure that that doesn't become an area of tension because. You know, it's a shame for something like that to, to cause an argument, to cause a conflict, to cause the family to, to fall out. And, and to miss Christmas. I mean, the mobile yeah. phone thing, again, it's another one of these issues where it's, it's, it's not just a Christmas, it's across the board. Like, here's a couple of times that I always say, no mobile phones, right? If you're going to go out for dinner or if you're having dinner at home, no mobile phone. Mobile phones just get put away. And there's actually research to show that if you have a mobile phone, even on the table, even if it's not, like, if it's not on, right, or even if it's, um, you, you're not looking at it or act actively playing with it, even if you've just got it sitting up on the table, if you uh, measure people, they actually note that you are less engaged with them just by having it sitting there. Because it's just the, the idea that it could go off and you're going to pick it up, right? So there's actually yeah. three scales. So the first scale is, if you've got a mobile phone in your hand, right, when you're with someone, that lowers their belief that you are engaged, right? Then it gets even worse if you've got it sitting openly face up, right, on the table. And then it slips slightly down from that if you turn it over, so face down. And a lot of people will do this in meetings. They'll bring a mobile phone in, they'll check it, but they'll put it face down. And then they'll pick it up to check the time. But of course, that makes even something like that, where you're just quickly checking the time, 
that decreases your the people around you's belief that you're engaged, right? Now, yeah. and this is especially for women. If you understand anything about communication styles, women need to be engaged, right? They need to be engaged because it is the experience of engagement that is so important. It's such a hugely important thing, especially with your loved ones um, and your partner specifically. They need to feel you engaged, right? For men, it's not actually as important because men are about outcomes. So have you read, you've, you've gone through the David Dieter, right? David Dieter talks about this and he talks about how for women, life is about experiences. So even a negative experience is better than no experiences, which is why withdrawal is so harmful to women in relationships. And it's quite weird because men's natural instinct sometimes is to go, oh, we're fighting, I'm gonna withdraw from the situation but that can deny women the experience of, re of resolution sometimes. So in, in, in many senses, this mobile thing, mobile phone thing, just is across the board, is terrible for relationships. So I always say at dinner, you're sitting around doing dinner, you're doing Christmas, you're doing a holiday. These are the sorts of times you really wanna go, you know what, I'm really gonna, I'm really gonna make that sacrifice for the family time. And it's way better to just have that time together. You'll enjoy it more. And you really don't need to connect that much over the phone. I know um, at Christmas, sometimes the other thing you might want to do is Skype a family member that's away. So pull out your laptop and do that Skype, but keep the mobile phones away. We really don't need to be communicating with the internet on Christmas Day. That is a family time. That is a, it's actually a sacred time that happens only every so often where the family is engaged with each other. And we want to, we want to increase that engagement so that that time is so much more important together. It will be way more meaningful. I mean, you would never walk down the aisle with a mobile phone in your hand at a wedding, right? Or you would, you would try, you, would, you know what, people actually do it, which is terrible, but you would try not to have your mobile phone out when you're at a wedding, right? Because it just dislocates you from the experience and the moment. So why would you do that on Christmas Day or Thanksgiving or Easter or any of the major holidays or any of the religious events? That's family time. And, and yeah, we really should be putting those mobiles away. Yeah. My tip would just be get rid of them completely, like turn them off, leave them in the car. But yeah, it depends on where we're, we're mobile phone addicted. I'm totally addicted. I'm the worst of anyone, especially managing an online business or an, inform an online informational sort of business, right? I'm the worst of anyone, but, but I have to be very strict with myself. And there's times when I just go, nah, the mobile phone's gone away. Yeah. Absolutely. So the last topic I think that comes up a lot over the holidays, and I don't know if you, we are going to go on it onto it now or whether we should leave this for a whole own topic of its own, is excess drinking or yeah. how drinking can affect a relationship. I think we can. I think let's cover it. Okay, great. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure on your views on this. I, I, you know, I, you cannot stop someone from drinking if they want to drink. Yeah. So what I would suggest is if you want to drink less over this time of year or if you know that drinking does cause arguments, you have certain things that you do that can help you. For example, you, you agree that certain topics are off limit if you're drinking. You arrange to do activities and event, go to events that don't involve drinking. So you book cinema in the evening so that there's a break from the drinking, or you plan things with the children, or you do different things to help create 
non-drinking experiences mm. and I definitely recommend having any topics that are heated just off the tables and this this can work really well especially if you find that there is some resentment over some things uh, you know talking about it when you're you're intoxicated is not never really going to go well you need to be calm and you need to make sure that anything that's bothering you is dealt with in a calm peaceful manner because that's what's going to enable you to get things resolved there is absolutely no point in bringing things up when there is already the the chances of things exploding yeah look i mean i live in a drinking culture australia is one of the worst places in the entire world for home drinking family drinking you know alcoholic problems and uh, and Look, why is Christmas? Why does Christmas have to have have to have massive amount of alcohol? Alcohol is one of those things. There just is not a single positive benefit. People will say that there's this huge positive of alcohol as far as socialization, right? Now, I used to I, I used to genuinely believe this, but I went through a period of very low drinking. In fact, zero drinking for like months and months and months, right? And this was a period of time where I was single, and I actually taught myself to go out go out to nightclubs and like late and party and dance and all this sort of stuff that most people would never do when they were not drinking. Most people rely on that liquid courage big time and just to relax, people use it to take the edge off, right? But the moderation is always gonna be the key. And if you've got family members who you know that they can get out of hand with a few drinks, then part of the key is just to not be feeding them alcohol constantly. And, you know, I've heard of this, I've heard of this, people have come to me and said, look, we've had this issue where um, there's so much drinking. And I'm like, well, you know, do you buy alcohol? Do you bring alcohol to things? Do you top their drink up when they're drinking? And they do all those things. So it's almost like, as a family, we can support those, uh, those people that do have issues with drinking by just helping them with that. Like, okay, let's pace it, let's have a water here, let's do this, do this. Or, and this is the other way I thought about it with Christmas, right? So why not say, this is the exact drink schedule we're gonna have, you know? We're not gonna drink till say 2 p.m. because that's probably a reasonable time to push it back where we can start early because it's Christmas if we need to have a drink, but then we can pace ourselves from there and have a little drink schedule where everybody gets this drink at this time, we enjoy it together and then we have the experience. So you might have a starter and then wait, enjoy time together, open presents, then you're gonna have your um, evening dinner or your lunch where you might have a specific drink served with the lunch so you, you know the quantity of alcohol that's being dispensed. And then you can buy accordingly. If, you, if it is at this point where you actually have to monitor your family and make sure they're not getting too drunk or half pissed as we say in Australia, where they're gonna actually cause some conflicts, that's how you do it. You, you sit down and you go, okay, well, our schedule of drinking is gonna be this, we're gonna need this much alcohol, if everybody has their drink each, right, and it fits with our meal plan or whatever, so you're having a glass of red wine with the meal that it fits with, and maybe a champagne after, and a sherry at the end of the day, so their total consumption of drinks is four or five drinks, and we know that what that's gonna be, and we know the time scale, and we know that people can metabolize a drink, or two drinks in the first hour, and one every hour after that, right, without actually blowing over, so they're not gonna be drunk drunk then that's gonna go a long way towards 
moderating the way that they're drinking. That's if you've got actual problems with problem drinkers that you cannot stop drinking, right? And then you've also got to be able to go, okay, well, if there's, if there's a specific person and they do it every year, well, maybe we should have that conversation before the day of, right? A week before and say, hey, look, this has been rough the last couple of years. I think that when we drink, and you don't say you, you don't just point the finger. You say, look, I think that when we drink too much as a family on Christmas, these issues arise. So let's let's not do that. Let's like, actually actually plan to not do it. And, and, and you can look at that person and, and, and have that conversation. If you're in a normal family and it's just, no one's really got a problem with drinking, but you, cert but you certainly think that topics are gonna to be off, off limits if you're drinking, then you just gotta be, you gotta be self-prepared for that. You gotta be looking at it and going, all right, let's, let's diffuse those topics when they come up. And you might have a few accomplices, you know, a couple of little sneaky accomplices in that little plan who, when they hear a topic come up, will come and distract someone or change a topic. And that's just gonna help you smooth over some of those things. Um, I, I know personally, I've, I've had, uh, I've had, there's topics which I don't like to have with people. Um, a big one for me is politics. It comes up and people get heated over it. And I, I just don't like to have that. So that's something I've done in, across the board in my life. But I mean, in Facebook, it's a perfect example. You can just cut it all out. It's quite easy. I've just re removed all politics from my Facebook. And it actually makes you mentally much, much happier, much more, you feel safer. And although I'm not a huge fan of the whole safe space type uh, movement, certainly uh, you want to have safe spaces and your family unit on Christmas Day should be a safe space where you don't have to argue about political beliefs um, or sexuality or, or, um, or past issues and drudging up the past because that's going that's, those traumas if we bring them up from the past it's just not gonna, it's not going to help Christmas at all and yeah, I think there's certainly things you can plan for and you can strategize for. So that's a couple of ideas, but there'd be a thousand ways of doing this. I'm sure you've got a few yourself. Yeah, I think those sound really, really good. And it's also about not taking things personally. You know, people do say more sometimes when they're drunk. People do let things slip. Totally. And if you're, if you're rising to it again, then it's the wrong time. So if you need to address it later when you're calmed down another time, then do so, but if not, just not don't take things personally, um, let things go, and just focus on enjoying you, and I think enjoying yourself, and I think for the whole Christmas period, and, and really for life, what you really need to focus on is asking yourself, is this really important? Do I have to be right? And sometimes it could, an argument can, can erupt over the holiday seasons, and it's about who what year was did this happen or what year was this or what was the name of something else and small things like this or other things you know it's more important to be friendly to have good harmony to enjoy the time than it is to be right and that's true of romantic relationships that's true with relationships with your family with in-laws and another thing that i really like to to use in my daily life is asking yourself will this even matter a mm. week from now will it even matter a month from now will it even matter six months from now and if it won't then what is the point in wasting your time your energy stressing about something so just having that internal dialogue if you feel yourself getting worked up and then just think does this really matter am i really going to be annoyed about this down the line and if not let it go because life's so precious these moments as you say are so precious when you're having all the family together so 
I really think to make the most of it is just to, to not dwell on things and to not make things bigger than they are. And also recognise that there are some things you cannot control. You cannot control what someone else says. You cannot control whether they decide that they're in a really good mood or they're in a really bad mood. Unfortunately, I wish we could do that with our families. I wish we could just have a switch to, to turn on which mood they're going to be in, but we can't. And so not getting stressed over things we cannot control is also a really, really good thing to, to take with you through, from the holiday season. So that's my last little bit of advice. Just look at things and think, can I control this or not? If not, let it go and focus on what you can control. And one of the major things and gifts that we can control is our own interpretation of things. We can um, control what we focus on and we control what things mean to us. And by that, no matter what happens around you, you can actually have a happy, enjoyable Christmas if you focus on those. Yeah, 100%. Look, I, I think that is, that is such an integral topic in life, relationships, personal development, anyway. When you can get to a point when you really and genuinely don't care what other people think, it just frees you. It frees you to just to be so much more confident, it gives you so much internal certainty, it's gonna make you happier. And uh, and if you're happy to disagree, I often say this to people, I say, look, I respect your point of view. And then you, when you get to that point, you can say that and you can believe it. I do respect people's other people's point of views, even when I don't agree. And sometimes I don't agree, I respect their point of view, I take it on, and that's it. And there's really no more to say. And I thank them for their point of view and off we go. And sometimes, do you know what? People like people will honestly like you even more if you can just say, "Hey, that's really interesting. Thanks for uh, you know highlighting those issues to me. It's so interesting." And then you, you don't have to say anything else. You just leave it at that. And they're going to go, "Oh, great! I've got that social proofing," because that's why we share information anyway. So we want social proofing, and then you can move on. And then it, it, that's such an important point. I'm so glad you brought that up, Nicola. It's just yeah. Super important, and here's something happy to end it on, right? So we talked about a lot of uh, a lot of issues that can happen over Christmas, but here's a, here's a fun one I'm going to do this Christmas. Okay, so I'm living with my uh, brother and his kids at the moment. It's like it's an amazing thing to have kids around at Christmas because they really like they just are so into it. It's so amazing. I, I can just see them in front of the Christmas tree already. But this year, what I'm doing is go out and learn all the Christmas carols. Learn like five Christmas carols and sing them with your family. Because we just don't do this type of stuff anymore. I know a lot of us do the cooking thing and we get together and we listen to stuff because we live in this digital age. But you wouldn't believe the bond and unity that you build with your family when you sing together. It's something from our culture we've, that we've sort of let go a little bit in the past couple of years. Get the Bing Crosby, go online, grab the lyrics, print it out if you have to or learn them. And that's going to create a really beautiful family bond. That would be something... If you want a specific activity to do, aside from cooking is one huge one, but one that every single member of your family can do together, then that's one of the ones I would advise. I'm totally going to do it this year. We'll totally record a video. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Nicola. That's really been fantastic. I think we've covered so many issues today. And I'd like to wish everybody out there who's watching this a happy Christmas, a wonderful festive season, and I hope that you guys inject love and unity into your family so it can be something that you remember now and indefinitely. Good luck, guys. 
Yes, thank you so much for, for sharing that. And I want to say that if you are going through a difficult time, if you are finding that the holidays are a real struggle for you and that you're not sure what to do or if you're, you're at your wit's end, then you can book a free Save My Marriage consultation by going to my website, www.savemymarriageprogram.com. And on there, you'll see free consultation or free ebook where you can start having tips to help you get through difficult times and to repair your relationship and to have it the way you really deserve to have it. Because I believe that we all deserve to have a happy relationship and a happy home, regardless of the time of year. From my heart to yours, thank you so much for tuning in to this video today. And I forgot to say, if you're struggling in your marriage right now and you want to get some resources, then visit www.savemymarriageprogram.com and go on the free section. There's a tab called free and underneath that you can get the free ebook, The Seven Secrets to Saving Your Marriage. You can get a free meditation to forgive and let go. You can get a free video, The Ten Keys to Transforming Your Marriage, which is a 40-minute step-by-step guide on how to transform your marriage and what is needed if you are suffering in your relationship and you really want to make it a great one. And then there also is the free quiz, Can My Marriage Be Saved? So go ahead and take advantage of all of these free gifts available for you at www.savemymarriageprogram.com. Thank you for listening to How to Save Your Marriage with Nicola Beer. To book your free Save My Marriage consultation, please visit www.savemymarriageprogram.com forward slash consult. And if you've enjoyed this episode, Nicola would really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review on whatever app you're listening through so the show stays visible, allowing more people to get the support they need to increase their love, passion and happiness.